You're listening to The Real Rebel Podcast, episode one dozen. I don't have time for this nonsense. I don't follow rules. I follow dogs on social media. Oh no. Welcome to the Real Rebel Podcast, where it's all about rebelling against expectations and being unapologetically who you are. Each week, we get real, real with boss ladies going after their dreams and living life on their own terms. And now, here's your host, Katie B. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode. I'm really excited that you're here because I think this particular episode is extremely helpful. So if you ever feel like you're bloated or your digestion just isn't in the place that you want it to be or your health isn't in the place that you want it to be, this episode is for you. I talk with Heather Woodruff, who is a certified nutritional practitioner and a digestion guru, and we get all into the gut and why it's very, very important to make sure that your gut health is in top form. Also, after this episode, I was really inspired to do a few more episodes like this. So ones that kind of focus a little bit more on self-care because I find that the narrative these days is more like hustle, 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 which is very much a masculine way to move about the world. And as a woman, I don't know about you guys, but I am exhausted from all the hustling and I have totally put self-care way on the back burner, which is resulting in things not being so great. So let me know if you think this would be a good idea to include maybe one a month or one every once in a while that focuses mainly on how to make sure that you're in optimal running condition. So you can go out there and rebel and do the thing that you know you're meant to do. On that note, let's buckle up and dive right into this episode with Heather Woodruff. Hi, Heather. Welcome to the Real Rebel Podcast. I'm very excited that you're here. Thanks, Katie. I'm so happy to be here with you today. And um, I'm I'm starting things off a little bit differently than I usually do. And I've decided to just ask my guests like a random question. And the question I want to know from you is, um, what did you eat for breakfast? What did I have for breakfast? I had oatmeal um, that I (laughs) pre-made like two days ago and just keep heating up every morning because it's very simple and easy. Um, yeah. Do you add anything to it? Is it just like oats? Uh, I soak it, but it gets soaked overnight because it's way better for digestibility and everything. So I soak it overnight just in water and I add some coconut milk and some coconut oil and lots of um, sunflower seed butter and hemp seeds. Um, my daughter's gets like almond butter and a few other things that I'm allergic to, but she gets a few extra things, but it's a really easy breakfast for us when we're kind of in a, in a pinch and yeah. I can pre-make on the weekend and then kind of have for, for some busy days during the week. Yeah. It's sounds like the breakfast of a digestion guru. <laughs> Everything's soaked and everything. Um, so, and that's my first real question for you is like, how does, how does someone become a digestion guru? Because I, I, I've read a bit about your story online, but maybe you can just kind of go like deep into it. And so the listeners know um, 
I can't imagine that you you started out that way. So how how did that kind of happen for you? Um, I think like my main fo- how how my focus kind of went that way was just after kind of going through nutrition school um, and really delving deep into health and wellness and looking at that, I started realizing that this is the this is kind of the the big thing for people and kind of the what what uh, digs deep for people and what their what gets to the core root of what their issues are. So even other healthcare professionals that specialize in thyroid or mental health or any of these other areas always have like a portion of their programs or protocol focused on gut health because everything really kind of relates back to this. Um, I had kind of a really strange digestive um, story where uh, I was kind of having like before I went to nutrition school and this is kind of how my journey began there was that I was having so many digestive issues like kind of chronic IBS and um, lots of crazy bloating where I'd like wake up in the morning and my tummy would be totally flat and by the end of the day it looked like I was five months pregnant even though I was very fit and very like thought I was healthy and it was kind of driving me crazy and went to doctor after doctor and had tests and tests and everything just kind of kept coming back normal and normal. Mm-hmm. And that was the world that I was kind of dealing with. So I, you know, managed through other avenues, look at different ways of healing and looking at that in a different way and looking through food as healing. Uh, so it was a big thing and it really, really turned my health around. And when I turned that around, I found other issues that I had kind of start decreasing and kind of slowly healing themselves as well. I had uh, interstitial cystitis like through most of my 20s, which is an inflammatory bladder disorder where you get cysts on your bladder where I've had a couple surgeries and things like that. And symptoms of that just started kind of going away as well after I really spent some time and, and healed my gut kind of from the inside out. So I think I realized how powerful that is and how it does relate to almost every single health issue kind of out there right now. Like it's, you you can have the the healthiest diet in the world, but if you're not digesting it properly, uh, you're really not going to be benefiting it whatsoever. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's where, I hope that answers your question, but I think that's kind of where, where I became so passionate about it while I, why I see it as such a core, core point to focus on with people with their health and, and well-being. Mm, yeah. And it's so interesting too, in this day and age, you go to get help for something, say like you have your cysts or whatever. And and for me, I had gallstones um, at a very young age and the answer was like immediately surgery. Like there was no other way. And it they make it feel like a very, very scary situation and that the only way out is, is their way. And, um, and even when you look around and you, there's a lot of people who won't give the kind of credit that is deserved to doing things the natural way. And they, they, you know, say it's quackery or whatever, and it's not, you know, you're wasting your time. And, um, so I think it's really important to highlight like people who have gone through, that like you you were in a place where you were feeling very unhealthy and your your gut was just not responding. I can totally relate to the feeling of being bloated by <laughs> the end of the day. Like you wake up and you're like, dang, like I wow, I, I look so great. I look so like thin and flat in the morning. And then at the end of the day, it's like, wow, I need like a two sizes bigger pants. Like, so I mean, yeah, there's there's something really to be said for for 
seeing someone do it the natural way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can be so, it's just really frustrating for people when they're, you know, for me, it would like dictate what I wore in the day, you know, because totally. it'd be like, I, I felt I was, even though I was quite slim, I've always been like, weight has not been an issue for me throughout my life, which I'm very, feel very blessed about, but I felt like fat. Like I felt like I felt unhealthy and really gross. And I hear that a lot from my clients where they're like, you know what, I work out and, you know, I try and eat what I think is right, you know, but um, I still have this like kind of bloated gut, you know, when I don't like the way I look in bathing suits and things like that because of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, really delving deep and getting to the core of that is can be such a, a key thing for people. And, you know, I think we have such a, we, we do have such an incredible medical system. And I, you know, I do think that it serves its place. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Um, but I think there, there is a time where it serves its place and where um, natural healthcare providers can come in and we can serve our place as well and really support it. And I think somewhere in the middle, there's this like really amazing, beautiful healthcare system. So it's not one or the other. You can't, you know, you don't need to be like all natural or all conventional medicine. You can find this like really gorgeous place in the middle where you're really supported in getting to the underlying root cause. But at the same time, maybe you do at some point need surgery or need a medication or whatnot. And that's fine if we're, if we're constantly looking and making sure we're getting to the core root of people's health issues, whatever that was maybe. Yeah. So it just doesn't keep popping up in other ways. And yeah. And, and what was, did you find out what was the cause of your bloating? Cause I'm sure a lot of people probably might have a similar cause to their bloating. I mean, everybody's different. Of course, every body is different, but um, yeah. Yeah. So what was kind of the cause of my digestive issues when it kind of came to, that bloating and IBS, because I was having a lot of like IBS like stuff, which is irritable bowel syndrome, uh, which is kind of a general um, diagnosis that kind of gets thrown around. Yeah, I feel like I've heard that a lot. Like IBS. Yeah, like it's kind of something that like it's just like we don't really know what's causing it. It's irritable bowel syndrome. Something is irritating your digestive tract. And we don't really know exactly what that is. So that was kind of what it was for me and uh, what I was finding that, or what, what ended up being is that it's, it's never just one thing. And that's what I've really discovered with my clients is that like, there's not one thing with your health or your digestion that's really thrown it off track. It's usually a couple of things or even several things. So for me, for one, like the biggest one was I was eating a diet that I thought was healthy. I was eating, you know, store-bought granola with some, you know, strawberry yogurt and, you know, uh, cracker. I like, hate like, you know, Triscuits all the time. So they're crackers. Crackers are healthy, right? <laughs> and so I had these foods that I really thought were healthy and I thought I was eating so healthy. And it turned out a lot of them are just like really processed and really full of um, lots of additives that were really just irritating my gut. Like, crazy. So when I really started kind of looking at that a little bit more, cleaning that up, going back to, you know, rather than store-bought and granola, I was, you know, making my own homemade oatmeal, uh, which is easier than, than you think it is. But it's, you know, I had started kind of slowly one step at a time, started transitioning away from that diet and looking at getting into a more whole foods-based diet was a huge one for me. 
um, as well as the sugar. The sugar was the big thing for my bloated tummy. Like mm. it was just like, uh, and I, I notice it to this day. If I have a way, you know, I can indulge a little, but if I have a little bit more too much of an indulgence with it, I definitely notice it today. Really, that's interesting yeah. because I I would think that it would be. You hear a lot about dairy and gluten. Yeah. Um, and I know that those definitely are aggravators, but sugar, and I know sugars like the worst thing for you. I mean, if you could cut one thing out, in my opinion, it should be, or reduce, it should be sugar. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, how, how come that is? Uh, it, what's happening with the sugar within and why it kind of causes so much bloating is that we have our microbiome within our gut. And this is trillions and trillions of bacteria and this sounds super weird and gross, but this, if we have, you know, balance within our gut, we actually have a really amazing little microbiome of good bacteria and even just a little bit of bad bacteria. Like there, there needs to be kind of that balance. Mm-hmm. But what can happen is that if our gut is really off balance, if, if there is way too much bad bacteria versus good bacteria, um, that kind of goes off balance and, and starts causing a lot of bloating and digestive issues. And uh, when we, the, that bad bacteria loves sugar. Hmm. It just like feeds on it and that bad bacteria off gases like crazy, causing a lot of excess gas and bloating within our system. So that's kind of one of the big reasons why sugar can cause so much bloating. Um, though you're right kind of with, with, uh, when you're talking about the gluten and the dairy, cause that was another thing for me that I didn't pinpoint actually till much later was a dairy sensitivity for me. So a lot of people have these food sensitivities, which is another one of my areas of focus that I really help people to pinpoint with like absolute certainty, which foods are potentially triggering an inflammatory response in their body. And there's lots of tests out there that kind of look at that a little bit, but nothing's kind of 100%. We do need to do this through diet to confirm this with absolute certainty. So if somebody is like feeling bloated and um, they they want to figure out if they have food sensitivity, it's best to do it through like a, an elimination diet where they're cutting. Is that what it is? Where they're cutting everything out and then only slowly bringing in the potential aggravators? Yeah. So sort of the, it's, it is an elimination diet where we, you know, cut out suspected food sensitivities for at least three weeks. And it kind of, de- you have to do it even a bit longer for a few, few of the other ones that kind of stick around there. Although this is kind of where the mistake happens. A lot of people will, well, I didn't eat dairy today, but I still felt bad. Like it doesn't, it, you know, if you eliminate it for a day, that's not going to mm. make a difference. Mm-hmm. It, it often takes us weeks or even months for the bodies to for the body to clear out the antibodies that have been forming and all of the kind of histamine and all the other gunk that's been built up from eating your your food sensitivities for so long so we you know we remove it for a period of time and then i actually usually coach people into we don't slowly reintroduce it we actually do an aggressive reintroduction with it oh boy and yeah, so I definitely recommend you doing this with the help of a healthcare <laughs> professional. Uh, it's it's um, something that it's it's how you confirm with absolute certainty. You know, like if we just like eat a bite of cheese and like cross our fingers and wait, you may not quite see it. But if you, you know, do it a bit more aggressively, you're like, okay, this is my sensitivity. This is what exact, and this is what exactly what happens when I eat it. Wow. And then you're like, you know, with absolute, absolute, you know, zero doubt that this is, 
this is an issue for you at this time. What a good slash bad day. Like if you love cheese and you haven't had it for a while, and then you just get to eat like a brick of cheese and <laughs> it's probably great in the beginning, but of course not so fun afterwards. Yeah. It can be like a lot of people are like, oh, should I just, but like at the same time, you kind of need to be coached to do it properly. Yeah. It's not, people are like, just go out and eat a giant pizza. It's like, well, no, we want to make sure that you're not eating other things that are going to yeah. cause response as well that's why it's always really good to have the support of a professional when kind of or a coach right. of some kind that is trained in it too well too I think when you're like doing an elimination diet and you're not eating like certain things for a while it can be a little tough so you don't want to waste all that time by like all the time you've put towards like reducing like things in your diet and then ruin it by like not doing it correctly because you don't have someone who knows what they're doing helping you Absolutely. And I, I I have clients sometimes that I'm like, do you want to try a reintroduction? And they're like, no, not now. Like they're like, I feel so much better. I don't want to go back to that right now at this point in time. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about it again in a few weeks and see if you're ready to, you know, because sometimes it's nice to confirm not no or yes. So you're not just eliminating things from your diet and not eating gluten because you think it's a sensitivity. But for, you know, it's so it's it's good to be confirmed. But sometimes people are just like, I feel so much better right now. I just want to let it be for a while. Just keep it. it. Yeah, I think that's that's really common. We don't realize how um, bad we feel until we until we make a change and we realize how good we really could be feeling. Um, and, And and on that note, what what are some symptoms that people might be feeling if they have gut issues? Because I know there's the bloating and maybe like um stomach aches and things like that. But what are what are some other ones that they might be able to recognize. Yeah. So like you have your typical like gut issues where like diarrhea, constipation, you know, bloating, excess gas. Um, and these are very obvious, like there's something going on in my gut, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't really associate um, some other things that may be happening. Like we with gut issues, uh, if you have chronic infections, if you're getting sick all the time, about 75% of our immune system resides within the gut. So that could be an imbalance right there. And if I have, I have a client that has lots of infections, it's again, the first place I go is like, all right, let's, let's get into that gut and try and, you know, rebalance out that immune system. Uh, I see skin issues a lot. Again, it's, you know, that's the immune system and a lot of inflammation going on in there. So lots of, you know, eczema and psoriasis and even just rosacea and very, that kind of rashy appearance that some people might have. Um, that was definitely what was coming out for me. I always thought I was this person that just, I'm not one of those people that has beautiful skin. That's just kind of what I always thought. And then after I kind of healed the gut, figured out you know, a few of my food triggers mm. and then started, you know, to see the healing. And I was like, oh my gosh. And like, yeah. you know, people were complimenting me on it. And I was like, wow, I've never had great skin. And this is amazing. I was going to say your skin is like, it's photo shoot fresh. It looks oh, amazing. <laughs> And it's so it's so interesting too. In my growing up, I had terrible acne. I had it all over, like under my jawline and forehead, and all over my back and chest and arms and everything. My mom always said, "You know, you got to stop eating the candy. You got to stop. You got to." And she was all about like maybe you shouldn't have any dairy. And and she said it's so much about the food. And I was very I was a teenager, and of course I was like no, like the doctors say it's not. So stop bugging me. I want to eat what I want. And of course, (laughs) it just got worse and worse and worse. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's, and I think the skin is such a great entry point because, it, I mean, it's a vanity point for us. Like people, whether we say it or not, we we want to look good um, to a certain degree. And and so it can be very motivational when your skin is is not where you'd like it to be. It's it's a great way to drive you to, to take better care of yourself. Absolutely. And if your skin is like, if it's not something you're happy with, it's definitely something that like you heal from the inside out. Yeah. Like for me, that was like kind of like the icing on the cake when I just like started really healing, really getting in there. And then all of a sudden it started glowing from the inside out, literally. And my skin just started clearing up. I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, some of those foods that I was so sad about giving up before some of these high sugar foods and dairy for, for me was for a period of time. Now I'm able to have it again. But, you know, I was so sad to give up cheese and, you know, a few of these things. But then after I kind of how good I felt afterwards and how amazing my skin was, I was just like, I don't want to go back to that right now. Like, I'm just not ready. So, so, so how did you go from not being able to have any dairy to reintroducing it? Because I feel like, um, when we're told, you know, you're sensitive to dairy or gluten or whatever, um, and it's kind of feels like a life sentence, like, oh, I'm never going to be able to have it again. How did you get to the point where you could have dairy again? Because for me, that remains my biggest sensitivity still. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's definitely it was over time after I kind of really went in, healed the gut, healed, you know, really cleaned up my diet. I ate that was, you know, and this became my life for I probably it probably took me a good year before I had the courage to try it again. Mm-hmm. And I, I did start slow, which I probably, you know, knowing now I probably would have done a little more aggressive just to double check it. But uh, I started slow and just kind of having a little bit by a little bit and then started not seeing any sort of reactions. And uh, why that is and why we can, we can actually eliminate our food sensitivities. And anaphylactic food allergy is kind of a different story. So if anyone's listening and thinking about reintroducing their peanuts or something, please don't. <laughs> I'm just gonna scream with myself for a second there. Very, very wise. Yeah. But with food sensitivities, um, this is again kind of going back to the gut and 75% of our immune system being within the gut, this is kind of where it determines what's friend or foe. So where your body decided that it was allergic to dairy or or sorry, sensitive to dairy, or um, you know, that that dairy you know, is an enemy. So let's target it and create an inflammatory response with it. That's where it's decided. So if we really heal that gut, rebalance everything out there and let the immune system kind of recalibrate and like reset itself, we can start implementing these foods again and start reintroducing them. And again, on a more of a whole food base, like it doesn't mean I can eat a cheese pizza, like, you know, really processed cheese strings or something like that, but I eat very good quality dairy. Now I have good raw cheese that's not orange you know <laughs> um i have grass-fed dairy if i you know or like goat you know grass-fed goat, goat dairy which is way less inflammatory so you know um it's not something i have every single meal and as it's as it usually isn't in our traditional ancestry diets you know it was meant as small amounts and complement and that's kind of how how i eat it now and it doesn't i don't have the reactions that i did in the past so it definitely comes down to healing the gut and then being patient with your body i think we're like um oftentimes when we're used to this conventional medical model you know where we're looking for like a pill to fix everything and do it 
quickly, we've lost kind of the, the gracious art of being patient with our body, you know, giving it time and space to heal and letting it do its thing and giving it some time. And that may take a year or two or, you know, for everything to be a hundred percent or, yeah. you know, at a great place. So I totally agree. I was on, um, this is not really, well, I don't know, maybe this is digestion related, but I was on the birth control pill for my skin for seven to eight, seven or eight years. And when I finally went off, it took three years for my body to fully get back to like a strong, like for my cycle to be strong. And to be back to where like it otherwise would be. And I did not expect that. I took I expected at the most like maybe three months. So it really showed me like how long it can take sometimes for the body to recalibrate. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's um, and the birth control pill does really affect digestion a lot. Does it? Um, yeah, I always recommend that if anyone's on the birth control pill to be taking a probiotic supplement at the same time, because it really throws things off. How does it, how, how come, what does it do? It, um, it gets in there and it really messes with your microbiome mm. in terms of like killing off the good guys and allowing the bad guys to really flourish and prosper. So that's, that's kind of how it, how it really throws things off that way. Um, and so Lots of times with clients, I will see hormonal imbalances. It's not something that's not like their first thing that happens. Usually they'll see digestive stuff or other things kind of happening. But then as time goes on, they'll start seeing uh, hormones being imbalanced, like kind of losing sleep around their periods Mm. or having really painful, heavy periods or the exact opposite, having, you know, next to no periods and very little. So you see this, you know, whole range of symptoms of hormone imbalances happening that again, I always, we always start, there's other things to do to kind of get hormones back on track. But uh, I definitely, at the same time, one of my big things is like, okay, let's get that gut back up and running and making sure that everything's in there. And then we'll start kind of the other working to get the other stuff back into balance. So, right. So, so what are some things that um, we can do to make sure that we have a healthy gut? I mean, I, everybody's different, so it's different for everybody, but what are some things that like people listening could do um, right away that would kind of set them on the right path? Yeah. So like kind of like the biggest thing is adopting kind of that more whole foods based diet. And I like to call it the, the grow, raise, harvest or hunt diet where like if you, if you were so inclined, um, you could grow, raise or harvest or hunt everything that, or the majority of food that you're putting in your body. So that doesn't mean we have to go out and, you know, hunt our own fruit or grow our own vegetables or anything like that. But it means that, you know, when you're looking what's in your fridge, when you're in the grocery store and making choices, it's like, could my great grandmother eat, did my great grandmother eat this or could she, you know, um, looking at butter versus margarine, could I make my own butter? Absolutely. I could go and like churn my own butter and make it. Am I going to? No. (laughs) I was going to say, I do not have time for that. a two-year-old at home though that being said like my like, great grandma had four kids and did it so like yeah it's it's you know all about our perception but at the same time like am I going to do it heck no I'm definitely not going to trim my own butter <laughs> but could I make margarine in my, in my kitchen absolutely not you know that's that's a whole science so that's where I make the you know when you're in the grocery store trying to make these helpful choices that's kind of what to keep in mind with it mm-hmm. and um kind of looking at our eight kind of our ancestral diets is something that really has always resonated with me. 
Um, you know, there's fad diets that kind of come and go, but that's there's something. There's so that, many of them. Yeah. Like we, we kind of hear these different things and absolutely there's some really great therapeutic diets out there and whatnot. But I think what it really comes down to is looking at, you know, our, our, what our great grandmothers ate. And I say great grandmothers, because I feel like even our grandmothers started to kind of go off track a little bit with like processed food and things, but looking at our great grandmothers and, you know, what they ate is really, I think, what to kind of keep in mind with it. And that's really putting that foundation for like good gut health to begin with. You can have as many probiotics as you want to eat as many fermented foods as you want, which is also, you know, very good components of digestive health. But if you haven't really gone back to, you know, really looking at that core core diet to begin with, um, you know, it's, it's, Things are never going to rebalance and and get back on track properly. Huh? You've totally inspired me. I'm I have a very large portion of my background is Danish, so I'm going to go get some mackerel and rye bread after this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Pick up the phone and call your grandma. That's what yep. I love doing some time and just having amazing conversations with her about her growing up on the farm with all of her siblings and milking cows and stuff. It's so incredible. Yeah, it was a different time. And and I do find that we, one Christmas, my mom pulled out a, um, you know, those old projectors and it goes like, yes. like when you're watching it. Yeah. On on the reel. And uh, we, we were watching, um, I think it was when she was a little girl and I was looking at all of who I, I know now to be my uncles and grandfather and all of these people, grandmother, and they all were so incredibly slim. Like, and they were eating, they were farmers as well. They were eating, you know, mean potatoes. For, I'm pretty sure no one was watching calories at all or even like no one went to the gym. There was no gym to be like heard of in existence or anything like this. Yet they were incredibly fit like that they were running around they were like just these bean poles compared to what people are today um and and they of course i they also they did enter the um the world of processed food as we all kind of i feel like it's almost forced upon us in a way because it's just everywhere and, and they've you know since then um we're we're no longer the society that is like everybody is super fit and it's the norm to be that way Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just really interesting. Totally. Yeah. It was a different life back then. And I think when that whole processed food movement kind of came into play, it was they, it was just convenience. I don't think anyone had any idea the detriment that it was having for our health. Yeah. And we've seen so much illness just come out in the last, you know, 50 to 60 years, like especially like the the amount of chronic chronic diseases and things like that. So it's really um, interesting to sort of see that, you know, side by side that, that happening. Yeah. And I, I don't think they had any idea. It was just like, whoa, you mean I could buy this rather than making it for hours? Yeah. Awesome. Great. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's always good to kind of think things through a little bit and and look back that way. Yeah, for sure. And um, oh, and I, I also don't want to forget, what are some other things that people can do? We, we got a little bit sidetracked there. So so <laughs> eating potentially ancestral diet, whole foods kind of as close to um, as close to it as you can as you can get and afford because it is well, maybe that's a myth, but I feel like it, it, it can be a little more expensive to be shopping for organic and um, whole foods. Do you find that's true or? Yeah, you know what? It definitely is. Like, you know, there there are ways to do it on a more, ch- more cheaply. Like I think we're 
people end up going like, whoa, this is like crazy expensive is that they, you know, go to the grocery store and rebuy everything that they were buying conventionally, but rebuy it as, as organic. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, you know, I choose to eat within the season. Like I don't buy apples in the middle of summer. I don't buy strawberries in the middle of January. You know, if you eat sort of according to season, it's actually a lot more, uh, can be a lot more cheaply done this way. Um, there's other things like I get a seasonal box from one of the local farms outside of Vancouver. And this is, you know, a box of produce that's delivered every week and it's $25 a week, you know, and I have maybe have to top up a few other veggies, but for the most part, that doesn't for like my, my three person family. So there's lots of different ways to do this a lot more effectively and, or doing this more, more cost effectively for sure. And it may mean, you know, we're used to having like steak fill up our whole half our plate when it's like, no, you kind of only need it to be like the size of your palm. So when you're buying organic meat or pasture raised meat, you know, you may be like having better quality and eating a bit less of it and stocking up on so many other things. So um, to answer your question, yes, absolutely. It's definitely a little more, <laughs> more pricey, but there's, I think, I think there's ways to do it or I know there's ways to do it that is a lot um, easier on the budget. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, oh, and while it's on my mind too, I'm getting so many, like I went to nutrition school too, and I'm, I'm it's bringing up a lot of memories. <laughs> um, your thoughts on probiotics. I know that I take a really um, powerful one. It's like a human strain probiotic. It's taken from um, healthy human gut and, and as opposed to like, I don't know where they take it from cows or pigs or something. Um, how do you get your probiotics in? Because I know it's it's super important for a healthy gut. Yeah, for the most part, like if if your gut is fine, if like health wise, um, I think probiotics are meant to be therapeutic. Like mm-hmm. we use them for a period. Like I don't believe that if you are healthy and everything's functioning optimally, we shouldn't need to take a probiotic. We should be getting what we need from fermented foods. I'm a huge advocate of fermented foods because we've you know, probiotics are amazing and I use them absolutely therapeutically with clients. Uh, but at the same time, the research, the research is getting more and more, but we know so much and get so little about strains of probiotics. You know, whereas we can get a probiotic with, you know, five to 10 strains in it, or there's some with even more in it, which now is great. Or you can, you know, eat some sauerkraut that has like 50 in it. They don't even know like how many different strains and whatever's in there. So this is our food sources and way to, you know, some oftentimes we see, and we see it time and time again, where nature is just so much smarter than us. <laughs> when we try and recreate it all the time, it's just like, yeah, we do it okay, but it's not optimal. So I'm always a huge fan is that if you can get it from its natural source on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. that's the best way to do it. So Doing it with like if dairy's your friend, you know, doing it with with some yogurt, some grass-fed yogurt, or some, you know, sauerkraut that you find in the fridge, not on the store shelves, or miso and things like that. You know, there's lots of amazing fermented foods out there. And that's another way to look back at your ancestral background and what did your great mother eat? I'm Polish and I sorry, everything. Like that's <laughs> just like what resonates with me, what reminds me of my childhood because I literally put it on everything. I love it. So this is like, you know, what, what to look back on in terms of, um, 
keeping things in balance and keeping yourself healthy. And this is what our ancient ancestors did eat on a daily basis. They ate so much of these fermented foods and we kind of lost the art of it over the last like 50 to 60 years. And now it's really starting to make a huge resurgence and come back now, which is super exciting. Hmm. Uh, oh, what are your thoughts on kombucha? Because I am slightly addicted to it. I know there's sugar in it, so that's probably, uh, but I, um, yeah, what do you think about it? That is a great question because it's super hip these days. Yeah. It's like, yeah. so popular, which is great. Um, I think it's really good if you get a good quality that has been fermented long enough that the sugar is at an absolute minimal. And this is unfortunately not the case of many store-bought varieties out there. And I even see a difference between like different flavors within the same brand itself. So ideally, you'd want to see like two grams or less of sugar per cup of kombucha, Mm -hmm. or sometimes we see it upwards of like seven or 10, which is not really ideal. So it just means they haven't fermented it long enough in order for the sugar content to drop down enough. And they may have actually even added like sugar kind of afterwards to make it nice and sweet and yummy. Um, But there, there are some really good companies out there. There are some really good local Vancouver companies doing things. So definitely check wherever you are locally to see if there's um, a kombucha producer there. But there's also even like um, like a GT Synergy brand. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much everywhere. And I have no affiliation with them. But they, you know, they have a couple of their flavors are very low in sugar. Not all of them. A few of their flavors are quite high. The in ginger sugar. one. Ginger one's great. The citrus is great. And the original is great. The rest of them are quite high in sugar. But yeah. You can buy those at Costco. Like, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's hit the main... You know when it's in Costco, then it's the real deal. Like, it's hit the mainstream. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So the, so I think I think kombucha is fine if you obviously are getting a low sugar option. Mm-hmm. Um, though there's a kind of... In a few health scenarios where I do say to be mindful of it, like, uh, when we, would, we don't need to get into them, but, like, the, there, there's candida and there's you know, other kind of health, health issues where it's not my first go-to for fermented foods. I usually say like, because of the sugar content, let's choose something else for the time being and, um, try, try that later down the road once you, once we feel like, like a lot of healing has happened. Right. Right. Oh, amazing. So we're getting close to the end. I want to kind of give as much value as I can, uh, to my listeners. So I know that a lot of, um, the people listening are boss ladies or they're trying to bring something into the world, which means oftentimes a lot of stress, not a lot of time. Um, and so say if you had someone sitting and um, doing a consult with you and they were saying they're stressed and they don't have time and um, they're feeling, I don't know, they have digestive upset. What would be like your first few things that you would kind of tell them to do? If, if sort of time was a factor for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think with that, I I, I usually have gentle conversations with people about like, I know everyone gets busy and, um, you know, everyone says, I don't have time. I don't have time. It's just a matter of reprioritizing. Uh, that's a big, so I, I actually try and say, I don't have time to, rather than saying, I don't have time to do that. It's like, I'm choosing to not prioritize this right now because I'm a little bit limited in my time. Right. It's kind of, you know, like, cause if you want to watch the bachelor one night, you're going <laughs> to find the time to watch the bachelor. You know what I mean? Like yep. people find the time to do things that they want to do. 
So um, I gently encourage that with people to kind of look that way. And uh, one of my like biggest goal that I encourage people to set for themselves, and this is how really how I started with kind of going back to the more of that grow, raise, harvest, or hunt concept diet is that once a week, I cooked one meal entirely made from scratch. And it didn't, so it didn't mean I have to like change everything right away. You know, it was just like one meal every single week. I usually did it on a Saturday. So it wasn't like I was rushing home from work or anything, Right. but I would do this one meal. I had some epic wins. I had some epic fails, but I made it 10. But then slowly over time, it just kind of gradually started crowding out the rest of my diet and uh, started to, you know, started to replace the other less than optimal choices that I was having through the week. And so that's like kind of like if you can set like kind of that one goal, I find it so helpful. It's helpful for me. I've seen it be very helpful and usable with clients as well. And just start with that. Even these small little things that you can start doing, you'll start noticing a difference and and yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, it can be very overwhelming, especially if you feel you feel poorly and it's like you don't know where to start. And just starting at a, a simple place like like the Whole Foods place and, and making your own one meal a week that's like all from scratch. I mean, I think that's pretty doable. Um, and going from there, because it, it can be very overwhelming when, you know, you're busy and you have things going on and you're unsure of, you know, what's going on in your body. And mm-hmm. it's a very inexpensive way to just kind of get going. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that like when, um, you know, like with that, it's like pick your favorite meal. Like what is your favorite meal? Okay. Try and make it from scratch, you know, like, or is there even a couple of ingredients like that you can swap out? Could you swap out sugar in that for honey? Could you, you know, swap out that processed grain, you know, a white rice for a brown rice, you know, like these, there's these little things that, you know, that people feel like are just small and insignificant. Like we don't need to be all or nothing. We can slowly just start making these, these changes in our diets and they make the make big differences over time or make big impacts over time. And uh, before we even realize it, we're, you know, it's, it's like we were, we don't think we have time to do everything. So we do nothing for too long. Right. And that's, yeah, where it's better to start slow, start going before you know, within a few months, you're have made so many changes that you can't keep track of them. So yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I did that when I first started, I went like all the way I became a raw vegan mm-hmm. um, and I was just like, no packaged foods at all. And like, everything has got to be from a tree. And I, I like, and I was like thinking that this was going to be the diet for the rest of my life. I was like, I told my boyfriend at the time, I was like, you know, if you want to be with me, you're just going to have to come <laughs> to peace with like the fact that I'm going to be a raw vegan for the rest of my life. And no offense against raw vegans out there at all. Like it can be, a, I think, a very therapeutic diet as well for, for a time. Um, but that lasted maybe about six months and I was just like, ah, oh, I can't. And then I, I flipped <laughs> all the way back on the other side. Bacon for brunch, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do think it's wise to yeah, do, do things slowly. And, and I think we are very much in our culture, like you said, it's all about speed and you, you see, you have an idea or you see someone do something a certain way and you want to jump onto that bandwagon entirely and just go for it. But that can be too much. Like you need to let your body adjust. You need to let your life adjust to kind of doing things differently. So like you said, it's slow and steady wins a race and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be such a scary thing. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we're coming up to the end here and I ask the people the same uh, question every time. So these two questions and I didn't prep you. I never prep people for this. So <laughs> be prepared. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, if you were, um, if you were sitting across the table from your 20 year old self and you could give yourself any piece of advice or say anything, what would you say? My 20 year old self. Yeah. Uh, tell her to go to bed and get a good night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, you know what, and, um, something that's really, that I've really become aware of in probably the last year is just kind of how, how these hiccups in our life or these, you know, struggles or hurdles that we see that seem to be so devastating sometimes are actually ways of like kind of pushing us to greatness. Like, I think if our life ran perfect and flawlessly all the time. Like, I don't know if that we would excel to the places that we can and could. So I think just like telling my 20 year old self that, you know what, like look for the good in these situations, look for what you can learn out of them and what you can achieve from them. Like I, I, I do believe with all my heart that everything happens for a reason, even kind of the small little things. And so looking for those and realizing that they're, they might not necessarily be negative things in your life that I, they actually might be like guideposts or little pushes in a different direction to help you find your way. Uh, I think there's, you know, stuff that I look back on that were signs that I probably should have maybe gone a different way. But at this, at this point now, like, I feel like I, I actually went the way I was supposed to, even though, you know, I'm a nutritionist now I went through, you know, fashion school first and did a career in fashion, which I'm sure you can relate to. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I did that first and it's, it's really easy to look at that and be like, oh, I wish I would have like discovered nutrition before, got to the health world, like before, like think how far along I'd be now. But I think I was meant to go that way for perhaps, you know, the people that I met or what I learned. Um, I, well, I know that I was meant to go that way. And i probably haven't even figured out the reasons why for all that whole process yet. Uh, but like there, I think there is a reason. And so just looking at these situations that come up as, as good little pushes and nudges in the direction that you're meant to take. And it's kind of your, almost your intuition speaking loudly for you. Totally. Yeah. I love that. That's lovely. Um, a, a quick side note. What did you take in fashion? I think we talked about this before, but I forgot. Yeah, I took um, fashion design and apparel production. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. So, and I worked in it for, I to say, like, I think it was, I worked in it for at least eight years. Wow. Yeah. And you were at yeah, Lululemon. I did. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I worked at Lululemon for, I think, like four or five years as a sourcing manager there. I worked at De Jeans as a production manager there as well for like three or four years too. So yeah, I actually had a pretty decent career going like quite well there. And it was just <laughs> towards the end, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. This is not, not my purpose and not what, not what I'm meant to be doing right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but you found it, and you're clearly very much in your your zone of genius, as Absolutely. some people like to call it. Yeah, yeah, and I think like I'll my career will obviously like keep evolving over the years, but I can just like see myself never retiring and being this mm. old lady just hanging out and like. <laughs> That's how you know you found it. 
Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and my last and final question for you, um, what is your rebel cause? So what is the reason that you get up in the morning or, or what really fires you up? What kind of change do you want to see um, in the world and that you want to help change? Um, I think like my big why is just really supporting people to trust and listen to their bodies. You know, like we, we get these symptoms and, you know, these health issues and things that we, we look at so negatively and we like kind of glare at it and get frustrated and angry about, but this, this is our body's way of speaking to us. So we need to kind of take a deep breath sometimes and just slow down and listen and, you know, and maybe get some guidance with helping to hear what exactly it's trying to say. But this is, this is our body's way of, you know, saying or screaming at us that, that something's not right. And we're doing something that's throwing it off balance. So, or we've done something to throw it off balance. So kind of getting people to really trust in their bodies, that it's not, they're not their bodies turning against them. It's, it's their body trying to ask for help. And it's, you know, our job to kind of try and listen to that and really help support it as much as we can. And our body does have this truly amazing capacity to heal when it's strongly supported, like when we give it what it needs, what it needs. And I worked, you know, my first job in nutrition was in, in cancer. And so I saw like amazing stories of, you know, of people really healing from the absolute bottom up and um, incredible stories. So like, it, it's so possible to heal from whatever place you are at. Uh, if you just really, truly listen to your body. Uh, so that's kind of, I, I really help and focus people in doing that. And like with, with any of my nutrition programs or any of my counseling that I do, I never just like eat this, don't eat this. It's, you know, I knowledge is such a core value of mine for my own learning as well as, as my clients and people around me. So I just, I try and teach and as much as I can and educate so people really understand what's going on within their own body as opposed to, you know, do eat this, don't eat that. But like, you know, it's like, this is, this is why, this is why not kind of approach instead. So yeah, hmm. I think sort of hope that answered your question. Yes. Yes, it definitely mm -hmm. does. You are doing amazing work in the world. Um, and lastly, where can people find you? What, what's going on for you and uh, how can they uh, have access to your digestive guru-ness? Awesome. Yeah. Um, you can find me at www.heatherwoodruffnutrition.com is kind of the main place. And I have um, uh, a program out right now called the Elimination Program. And it's a four-week program that's designed to help you determine your food sensitivities with 100% accuracy. Wow. So you can have access to that. And uh, I also have a free gift for your listeners. It's my free ebook that's uh, Beat Bloating, Six Easy Ways to Beat Bloating. So uh, I'm sure that link will be down in your in your show notes. Yes. But yeah. Awesome. Um, so if, if your listeners want that with some key key points on really working on the gut, then that's a great place to go. Awesome. Thanks so much, Heather. That's so great. Thank you so much for chatting. And it's been very informative and very, very helpful. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Katie. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Real Rebel Podcast. I hope that you learned a lot and that you can take it with you and use it in your everyday life. If you like this episode and you never want to miss another, head over to iTunes, click subscribe, and make sure if you're feeling up for it to leave a rating and review while you're there. Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you next Tuesday.